Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Steve and I are here together to try and talk about this. I do not feel well right now. I know Steve doesn't feel well right now. And I know everybody who tunes into this show does not feel well right now. Steve, I don't even really have an intro here because I'm beaten down. I'm beaten down at this point. I'm just hoping that you have some words of encouragement right here because this Budweiser is going to taste good while you say hello to the folks. Hey, yo, Anthony. Um, listen, things are not great. They're not great, Bob. And I think the only solution is we have a little group therapy session, kind of talk it out. Let's talk about our feelings, where things are going wrong, and try to see if we can dig ourselves out of this hole because I don't know what the answer is right now. And I don't think any of us know what the answer is right now, Steve. I'm I'm just happy we're here. Sunday fun day. It's supposed to be Sunday fun day, so we're gonna have a little bit of fun. I think we I think we can we can you know laugh, we can talk, we can joke, we can do all this stuff. But I think that there's some real serious discussion that we're gonna have about what we saw the last two games. Apologies that we were not on the microphone yesterday. We were celebrating together three years at OnTap Sportsnet at. Uh, the uh, Casa de Marchese in the garage watching what was supposed to be a good afternoon of baseball. Steve, you were there. You had thoughts on what you saw. There was a, a murder that took place on my television. Yeah. I mean, really the only thing you can say about uh, yesterday's performance was just that, you know, we, we got to have some nice, good quality family time together. That's really the, the only thing that you can say about it. Boys got together here, uh, had a couple two tree pops, talked about some things, threw some bags. Um, that was the good. That was the good. That was the good. The rest of it, not so much. Not so much at all, Steve. And, um, you know, there's a few things I'll, I'll talk about throughout this show uh, in reference to yesterday's game because obviously we did not have a post game show. The Cubs on tap, guys, though. It came down in the basement. They recorded a nice little episode. I think you made a guest appearance on there. I made a guest appearance on there, as did Buzz. Uh, Ron Luce from Cubs on Tap. Wellness check. How we doing, boys? Glad to see Ron in the stream. Ron, we're not doing great here. Uh, if you caught the beginning of this show, like I'm just out of sorts right now. I have no idea what to think, how to feel, um, and that's what we're going to try and sort out here. So thanks for dropping in here, Ron. Uh, Steve, do you have anything to say to uh, your pal Ron Luce? Yeah, listen, uh, maybe maybe we just need to f follow through on the mantra that was uh, come up with yesterday. We just need to stay loose out here as a group collectively. 
maybe that's the only way we can dig ourselves out of this. We just got to stay loose. Just got to stay loose. I love it. I love it, Steve. Um, okay. So let's, let's get into the, the game yesterday, just a little bit. Uh, Eloy Jimenez. We, we were all together. R.I.P.I.P. We were all together. We watched Eloy Jimenez run down the line and injure himself, uh, stepping on first base. This is not the first time as a White Sox fan, if you've followed this team, uh, that you've watched something like that happen. Steve, I'm going to need to just get through the, the the Eloy beer here, this 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 misery beer for yesterday's baseball game uh, before we can even get to tomorrow or today's game. And, you know, th- once again, dude, it's it, Sean Roberts said it um, in a tweet and Johnny quoted it out of the Sox on tap account. It's always something. Steve, why the hell does it feel like a tradition for us at this point as White Sox fans to come to expect that this team cannot stay healthy enough to play ball games together? I think it was like 10 times they said uh, that the uh, the core group, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Yoan Moncada, the, these core guys, there's only been like 10 times since the start of last season that these guys have all been in the same lineup together. We watched Eloy go down yesterday. He was already dealing with some injury stuff. You've already got Luis Robert on the shelf. There's been injuries plaguing this team all over. What does this mean now, given the news that he is going to be out for six to eight weeks? I think what it means is, um, to quote former White Sox owner Bill Beck, who famously once said that being a White Sox fan should free a man from any form of penance in the afterlife. And this is just another shining example of that. For whatever the reason, we are not allowed to have nice things. We are not allowed to have things go our way. Simply put, something always must go wrong because that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. It is a tough pill to swallow because we just went through this drill. Um, you know, and you get through uh, an entire rebuild uh, where you've got all these core guys and you want to go out and see them play together in person. You want to go out as a White Sox fan, head down to the park and you know, see these guys uh, that the that the team has amassed all play together because that's what makes this team a good team is when you have your 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 big guys in the lineup. Obviously, there's going to be guys to come up, and you see Danny Mendick hit a home run today. You can scratch and claw the next man up mentality. But at this point in time, Steve, it, it to me, it's starting to feel like just plain bad luck. Like there is nothing that can explain just how poorly this is gone. I, I, I don't understand why it always has to happen. I don't think anyone has an answer for it. it, it you just, it's gotten borderline comical at this point. You, you can't make this stuff up. You see one guy come back, you know, Eloy was kind of a little bit banged up, you know, last week after following that ball off of his foot he comes back after a couple of days absence and then immediately goes down again. And, um, you know, obviously given the circumstances with Luis Robert missing the entire weekend, Yohan Mankata hasn't played a single game this year. Lance Lynn hasn't made a single start. It's just, it's a a comedy of misfortune at this point. I don't know what other word to use here. 
you just keep anticipating something bad is going to continue to happen. And I hate to come back to this because I know we were talking about this in the group thread before the season started. And I said something just didn't feel right. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't explain it. It's one of those baseball things that you just sometimes you get these feelings not based on any kind of rhyme or reason, and they just don't make sense. And here we are. And I know a lot of people want to say it's only 15 games and, you know, weird stuff happens. You go through a 15, a bad 15-game stretch multiple times during the course of the season, and it is what it is. But I tweeted this out earlier today. This feels a lot of ways like 2007. You had, you know, a team that was was – two years removed from winning a world series had won 90 games the year, you know, following that. And then 2007, you had all these underperformances from guys like Jermaine Dye, Juan Uribe, Joe Creedy gets hurt. John Garland was bad. Um, you know, you, you go out, you trade for Gavin Floyd and John Danks and the, and they're bad. You have all these things go wrong. Tadahito Aguchi wasn't particularly good that he ends up getting traded. So it's like, you had all these different things go wrong from a team that, had consecutive 91 seasons and everyone thought was going to contend again for an AL central title. And just by late April, the whole thing was falling apart. And you look at right now with where this thing is at from an injury standpoint. And yeah, there's been a lot of bad luck with the bad ball data to this point, but the fact of the matter is they're not scoring runs and everyone is just of this mindset and of this belief that it's going to turn around. There's just so much talent here. The batted ball data says it's going to get better. I, I I lived through this. I saw it happen once already when everyone said it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. And then by mid-June, it didn't turn around, and they lost 90 games. So, Well, Steve, Steve, it, it is April still. And I understand the, the significance of a seven-game losing streak. I, I just don't know if my mind is ready to go down and accept that this team right here is done out of it whatsoever. Like, I'm not I saying just, they're I'm not saying they're done out of it here, but I'm saying to the people that are out there that believe that you can just brush this thing off that it's not a big deal. I think they're really underselling this because the fact of the matter is, and I've harped on this point numerous times already. Starting next weekend, when the Angels come into town, this schedule gets really fucking brutal for a six-week stretch. And they're playing this poorly right now and dealing with all these injuries. What's what's going to happen when the Yankees, when you got to deal with them seven times, when you got to deal with the Ginger Sox seven times, when you got to deal with the, the Jays seven times? You know, you get four mixed in there with the Astros. You get three more mixed in with the Rays. You get the Dodgers. I mean – you gotta, you gotta hope that your rotation's doing a lot, a lot better at this point, and then you also have to hope that you get some bats back in this lineup. I, I, I just, I look at this team, Steve, up and down, and it still seems like, at least to me, it still seems like all the pieces are here. Um, you know, there's, there's question marks on every single ball club. You string together a couple of wins here. I think some of the narrative changes just a little bit it just feels so bad right now because you haven't, this is, this is the worst nightmare because you were unable to now capitalize through this turn in the rotation on Dylan Cease and also Lucas Giolito. 
and, and Michael Kopech. And now you've got to go back again through this whole entire thing and, and hope that you can stop the bleeding somewhere. But you you needed that start from Lucas Giolito today. We're going to get into today's ball game. You needed that type of start from someone because this rotation's been battered uh, up and down this stretch, and especially with the fact that you've got all these games against divisional opponents. Let's not understate that either. Like that's what makes this hurt even more. But you needed that start from Lucas Giolito today, and then you still get beaten. That's the problem here. You can't let that happen. There has to be a way to win that ball game, at least with Dylan Cease or Lucas Giolito giving you the types of starts that they can give you. Well, the biggest problem right now, obviously, is the fact that through nine innings here tonight or, or this afternoon, they scored three runs. They're still not scoring enough runs. And well, let's talk about let's talk about the 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 send today. Jose Abreu uh, sent home. I, every, you've heard all the mixed feelings on whether or not that was a good send, but the White Sox have like six or seven guys who've been thrown out at home plate so most far in the this season. Yeah, most in the league. It, it, there's something wrong there, right? It, it, am I am I wrong to say that there's something wrong with being the team that has the most runners thrown out at home plate, regardless of good sends, bad sends, making outs on the base paths, especially at home plate. There's something wrong there. Yeah. Um, it's does that even itself out? Does it even itself out? I'm, I'm not sure that it does to be completely honest with you. I didn't have as much of a problem with that particular send considering you know, when Vaughn gets that base hit, you've got Garcia, Hazley, and Mendick following him there with, you know, two outs. So I had less of a problem with that one than some of the other ones that we have seen here through the first three weeks of the season to get started. Um, but, it, but at the end of the day, it just sucks because, again, you're, you're giving away another out on the base pass, something that we have just seen far too often to start this season here. And I just, I'm at a loss for words right now. I, I, I really don't know what, what further to say about it. It's just so annoying to watch at this juncture. It, it's almost to the point where it's comical. Like you're, yeah. are you watching the 2018 white Sox or are you watching the 2022 white Sox? I, I don't know because some of the lineups have guys in there that feel like that, call it like it is like rebuild or backup player uh, type spots in your lineup at certain days. And then you get bad baseball, throw the ball around the infield, throw the ball into the outfield. Anytime your team's throwing the ball into the outfield, it's probably bad. You shouldn't be throwing the ball like into that direction uh, as many times as the White Sox have done. You shouldn't be getting thrown out at third and at home as many times as the White Sox have done. It's I'm just at a loss right now, Steve, for words myself, because this show should be a lot more fucking fun right now. This show should be about drinking beers and, and talking about a White Sox offense that just curb stomped the Minnesota Twins the, the Cleveland Guardians, and they're about to roll in and do the same thing to the Kansas City Royals. We should be happy right now 
but we're sitting here and we don't even know what the hell to say because it's just, the, the product is just that bad right now. Well, they keep finding different ways to lose baseball games each and every day. Like I said, you have a day where you just where you don't hit, and then you have a day where the defense just goes out there and completely shits down their legs, and then you have a day where the bullpen falls apart, and then you have a day where you give away outs on the base paths that ultimately cost you. It, it's one thing after another. It, you know, Sean keeps talking about this. It's always something. It's always something. And we got a few comments coming in here from uh, Nathan Hubbard. Nathan, thanks for joining and tuning in. Uh, we'll get to some of those in a minute. Um, Steve, the, the last thing that I want to talk about in this ball game is the decision to pitch to Byron Buxton in the 10th. The send was one thing. I'll get to this here. I want your thoughts because this was the hottest topic. We're going to talk about it. Let's get through it. You had your your thoughts on it in in real time, so I kind of know what you were thinking. My thoughts are this. You shouldn't have let Byron Buxton beat you. I say that full well knowing that had they just put him on first base, Luis Arise was going to hit a, a single up the middle to score two runs, and they would have lost – five to four instead of six to four. I know that because I've just seen this movie far too often, but at the end of the day, Buxton, you know, when he's been in the lineup this year, he has been one of the best offensive players in the sport. And he tied the game with that two run homer off of Aaron Bummer in the seventh inning. So you knew that he, he was swinging the bat well and just the entire weekend was, was swinging the bat well. That's the guy you, you can't let him beat you. Right now, it's it's almost like the Jose Ramirez situation in Cleveland. Um, you put him on first base, and yeah, Arise is probably going to beat you. He's going to get that base hit up the middle. But I would rather see that than Buxton be the guy to do it right now. Um, that's just my personal take. I just think when you're in that spot, and regardless of whether it's Minnesota or Cleveland or whomever it is, you can't let – the best hitter in an opposing lineup beat you. No, you can't. And the, the Sox do this a lot. Um, you've seen this with, man, the last like five or six years worth of teams, just picking your spots. I don't even think that this was like a La Russa thing, a Renteria thing, a Ventura thing. You just go back to some of this stuff. Ozzy Gian brought it up on the, on the post-game show today. When you're managing and you're looking at the other team's lineup, you can pick out the two guys that you don't want to beat you. I don't know what the deal is with the White Sox, but the term White Sox killer has been around a lot longer than the last year or two, Steve. I don't know where the blame goes here, but there's certain people, and you can go back, and I'm sure your recall on some of these names is better than mine is. The term White Sox killer has been around for a long-ass time. You want to know where that term started? You want to know where that term started? That term started with a guy that played first base in Cleveland. That's where it started. And then it became Mike Sweeney. And then it became, you know, Travis Hafner for a little bit. Um, Fucking Joe Maurer. But it, it all started with 
a guy, a first baseman in Cleveland that a portion of this fan base loves to prop up like he's some White Sox legend when he isn't. That's where it all started. And so we're going on well over 20 years at this point of there just being somebody within the division that just constantly is the guy that kicks you in the nuts when you need him not to. Yeah, and and I just I feel like Buxton's just had that written all over him for a while now, and 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 so was Jose Ramirez. Steve, you know I thought about walking him. You know when when you you get the pass ball, and you got runners on second and third, and you're just sitting there. You're like, okay, so how are we going to lose this game? We've seen this same exact uh, movie many times before, especially. Uh, with, uh, you know, Garrett Crochet. We joked about it uh, just right before uh, the season had started and, and, you know, runners on second base coming back. It's like you can get the one run, but really in these 10th innings with the runners starting out, so you need two. That's what you need. You need two runs, and that's it just is what it is. Sox only able to muster one. You get this this, this situation with, with Buxton up there. I thought that Liam was potentially pitching around him and then just like decided to put one right down the middle. It's just, I don't know why I, I thought it was kind of the soft intentional walk. Maybe I, I don't know. I thought that there was some gamesmanship stuff going on there. Couldn't really read the situation, but he was so far out of the zone. And then all of a sudden here, this thing is. And like when that ball left Liam Hendricks hand, I, I already like knew that, Buxton was like just planning his celebrate celebratory run around the bases at that point in time, because it was just, it was right there. You knew it was coming. I don't know if Liam Hendricks is, you know, this was brought up on Twitter, potentially tipping his pitches still at this point in time. I, I have no idea what's going on here, Steve, but my, oh, it, it's so frustrating to talk about this. Do we, do we also want to get into Liam Hendricks potentially hurting himself. Yes, I do. I, 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 I do want to talk about that. He has to shake off the training staff to come out there, but it is invisible pain. You get the report from uh, Larusa after the game that he has back soreness. Now, how can this get worse? The beatings shall continue until morale improves, as they say. Yeah, and and, and they continue to do so. Um, you know, I, I said I didn't want to get into the, a lot of the rest of this game, but I do want to say one thing. Kendall Graveman uh, put his team in a position to win a ball game today with a really solid inning of work. Also, I don't know uh, if really I would say really, that one. I don't know if I would say really solid. The bar is so low right now, Stephen. He that, put he he walked a he walked a tightrope there, putting two guys on base, making a throwing error. So. He ultimately he did he wiggle his way out of it? Yes. Um, but you know, he I'm only he caring himself, about the end result here. He, at this hey, point. he he had a rough weekend, you know, up there like most of the other guys this weekend. So hopefully he can shake that off and then um come Tuesday when when they come back home, uh just get back to being the guy he was, you know, his first you know, four or five appearances just going out there just throwing up zeros. Yeah, I'm I'm caring about the end result at this point, Steve. I thought that he he bailed himself out of out of some trouble, and I like seeing that because never in the course of a, a pitcher's career are they just going to always uh, be able to 
work a clean inning. It's just not going to happen. I think he, you know, held on to some stuff and 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 made some stuff happen. Uh, my, my, I mean, my issue from from being a former pitcher standpoint is when it's something that is self-induced with the walks and, and the throwing errors fair from, from yourself. That's a, that's absolutely, absolutely a fair point. I uh, don't want to really talk about Aaron Bummer today's version. Let's talk about Aaron Bummer uh, in, in the season sense here. Bummer's broke. We got a comment in from D bell 23 on YouTube. Aaron Bummer's very broke. And our guy, Johnny Nani, he's not on the show today, but uh, he had some, some thoughts on Aaron Bummer that he was airing out there uh, pretty publicly on, on Twitter.com and, and through our, through our chats. I think the Aaron Bummer frustration is reaching some all time highs. Uh, I've been up and down on Aaron Bummer throughout his tenure with the White Sox. I think there's been flashes of, of some stuff and you know that he's got just a very ridiculous breaking ball in his pitch arsenal uh, that sometimes works really well but other than that like there's a reason this dude's name is bummer like it, it he's always in these situations where it just feels almost too comical almost too cliche that something bad is going to happen i have no trust in aaron bummer again once again and it feels like this is probably the millionth time that we've been there i don't understand where the hype came from if these are the results at least it feels far too often to be the results of Aaron Bummer entering a ball game in a potentially high leverage close situation so yeah, go to you for thoughts man it's been well documented I've been the conductor of the Aaron Bummer train there's no dancing around at this point he's been bad plain and simple and when you go out there when you're behind every fucking hitter 2-0 bad things are going to happen to you and he's going out there. He's just issuing way too many walks. Particularly the thing that is frustrating me is that he's walking far too many left-hand hitters. Those are guys that he should be going out there and just absolutely fucking burying. And he's not doing it. But whether it's a, a left-hand hitter, a right-hand hitter, he's 2-0-3-1 on, on just about everybody. And I don't care how good your stuff is. I don't care how deceptive your delivery is. At the end of the day, if you're doing that consistently at the major league level, bad things are going to happen to you. And they are continuing to happen to Aaron Bummer because he's not going out there. He's not establishing fastball command. He's not getting ahead of hitters. What is the one thing I always talk about and preach on this show night after fucking night? Fastball fucking command. Work ahead of hitters. If you can't do that, you are going to be in for a world of hurt. If you and want right. some game tape on how to do that, just watch the White Sox offense right now. <laughs> that's a that's a whole different discussion right there. <laughs> but. It's, it's 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 true. I mean, you go look on the other side of the ball, and it, I I want the White Sox to play the way that you know other teams play that make me frustrated. I want to see you know every single one of our pitchers out there with the, you know, one, two, oh, two, uh, count through two or three pitches that that's just, it feels like we're in that situation all the, the, all the time. Why is it on our end when we're sitting here watching somebody on the mound? Is it three, one, two, one, two, oh, like that's, that's just the feel of the ball game for me, Steve. Like, it just feels like it's, it's not, 
the right momentum, not the right juju, as our guy. Well, we, we've got a we've got a collection of guys offensively that are allergic to taking pitches for the most part. That's kind of a problem, you know. When you see Tim and Luis at the at the top of the order, two of the guys that are near the very top of the league in terms of first pitch swing percentage, that's an issue. Um, does it? And I'm not sitting here advocating for Tim to go away from his offensive approach that has made him one of the best hitters in the league overall for the last couple of years, but they have too many of the same guy that just simply is not willing to go out there and work counts consistently. And that's a big part of the issue on the offensive side of it. And it's frustrating because that first weekend in Detroit, they weren't doing that. We were seeing guys going up there, being selectively aggressive, working themselves in positive hitters counts and putting themselves in position to do damage offensively. And it's like after that second game against Seattle, against Robbie Ray, um, you know, when they when they actually kind of altered their approach and they were much more aggressive earlier in the counts, it's, it's like that selective aggression has just completely dissipated from this lineup and they are just going up there and swinging at anything and everything. And until they are able to correct that, until they're able to get to a point where they can start working some counts with consistency, the offense is going to continue to struggle. And this is one of the things that we see out of this team for stretches each and every season. And it still is annoying as hell. Annoying as hell is just you know, I think understating it here, Steve, it's man, it, it's, I, I want like the, you know, what grinds my gears screen to be on this right here. I, this whole segment is just about things that grind your gears as a White Sox fan. It goes back to some of the quotes you've dropped from the lovely Bill Vack at one point here, the Sean Roberts, it's always something Johnny's hashtag. That's so White Sox. It's, at a point right now, you know, we've, we've been talking now for a half an hour. It's at a point right now where I'm so frustrated with this team that I legitimately have a headache. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to do from here on out, except expect them to at some point win a ball game. And potentially the only way out of this, Steve, is, is you're going to need a big timely hit. You're going to need a pitcher or a starting pitcher to go out there and shove. You need some sort of positive momentum to get this thing moving in the right direction. Well, it's funny you mention that because you know what? They got their stopper on the mound Tuesday when they come home against Kansas City. Yes, they do. And Steve, why don't you preview that matchup? Well, that's going to be none other than uh, Mr. Loudmouth Diamond Dallas Keuchel taking the mound against the Kansas City Royals. So forecast looking a little chilly. Night game, ball might not be carrying particularly well, so would be helpful, I think, for Dallas if I could have that extended home plate strike zone a little bit, maybe get you know an extra inch off the inside corner of the plate to allow him to utilize that cutter. But um, I don't want to hear him speak before or after the game. I don't want to hear him talk. I want him to go out there and get some fucking outs. I need 15 outs. So whether he can do that or not remains to be seen. Um, I think it's supposed. I think it's supposed to be Daniel Lynch on the mound for for the Royals, uh, young left-handed starter. Sox hammered him pretty good 
one time in Kansas City last year, I think they put up an eight spot on him in the first inning. So this is a guy that the Royals are really counting on to be a mainstay in their rotation going forward here as they are looking to kind of flip their rebuild process. So hopefully the Sox can can go out there and have some of that good positive success that they've had against left-handed starters for the last couple of years. And just you, you got to win a ball game. You got to find a fucking way. I don't care what happens. I don't care how you do it. If you hit four home runs in a game, that would be awesome because I know you love fireworks, Anthony. I love fireworks when I'm in attendance. In fact, those you know watching yes. fireworks when the Sox are rounding the bases, those are the only fireworks I give a flying fuck about. Yeah. Okay. Because there have been no advances in fireman firework technology in my lifetime. So those are the only fireworks I really care about. There you so go. So find a way to do it. I don't care. Or if it takes a fucking safety squeeze to get in the winning run, I don't care. Get a fucking win. Just find a fucking way. Yeah, it's it's a real opportunity for Dallas Keuchel to go out and set the tone on Tuesday. That's what I'm saying. You know, it, he, he talked a lot the last time after his last start. Steve, you talked a little bit about him talking. Let's not do that again. If Dallas Keuchel wants to make a statement, it should be on the mound on Tuesday. Yes, that is the best statement that he can make by actually going out there and getting people out and preventing the Kansas City Royals from scoring runs. That's the best talking that he can do right now. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, our guy Nathan has been in with us for a while. Bulls on tap should be a barrel last two tonight. Yeah, uh, go check them out when they're on on the YouTube on tap Sportsnet. Uh, please do that. Our guy Buzz is going to be over there. He was at the Bulls really, game today. Really a banner banner weekend for yes. Jerry Reinsdorf. Let it me tell was you, a banner weekend for Jerry Reinsdorf franchises. Steve. Got a few little uh, things to get done before we close this down. Do you have a pick to click tonight or for t- or for Tuesday's ball game? Um, let's see. For Tuesday, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take Southpaw. I think Southpaw. he's gonna go out there. You know, he's gonna be excited. They're gonna be back home. He's gonna be up to some kind of crazy hijinks in the crowd. I'm not gonna take anybody in the lineup because they don't deserve it right now. So I think Southpaw is gonna go out there and he's gonna set the tone for the homestand. That's great. That's 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 just absolutely great. I love it. Uh, today I went with the doctors at uh, Rush Hospital, um, doing a fine job because we're going to need them to get Eloy back up and running, uh, as well as some of the other uh, various injured White Sox. I don't really have a pick to click right now, Steve. Honestly, because nothing's clicking um, outside of you know a few. You know, little things like Danny Mendick hitting home runs. I have no idea what's what's what the lineup's going to look like on Tuesday. I really like your southpaw pick, though. Like I, I'm. It's going to be hard to top that. It's it's going to be hard to top that. I might have to go with Roger Bossard um, on Tuesday, just because I want that field looking pretty when I get there. Um, you know, at least have some good visuals and and hope that the field is just in in the greatest condition that it can be for this team to turn this losing streak around. I don't know who else to go with. So you're going South Paul, take Roger. Hey, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. That's true. That's what they say. Steve, thank you for, for just hopping on here and talking about whatever the hell's going on. I've, I've got to ask, cause it's the title of the show. Uh, can it get worse than it, than it is right now? Oh, it, it can absolutely get worse. We've, 
we've seen this. I mean, um, you know, the existence of a White Sox fan in my all are part of four different decades. It can always get worse. That's that's the thing. That's not it. the positive answer I was looking for, but uh, <laughs> it might be the might be the factual one. Listen, so, you know, so, sometimes you know, it, it's been said that I'm I'm looked at as almost like a big brother by by some people, um, you know, out, out there in the world today. And sometimes you just have to give real honest advice and, and just give real clear perspective on it. And the fact is, yeah, it can always get worse. That's that's great to know. And I guess, Steve, if I'm going to take some sort of message out of there, it can get worse. So let's hope that it doesn't and and try and, you know, set the tone here. For I mean, what, I, I, what I thought be. we set the tone yesterday for for a good positive day. You know, I think we went out there. We did we, our part. We, we did. We did some nice things in, in the garage and we were really getting after it. Um, just just having a. a Good old fashioned time, like I said, having a couple two tree pops with, with the boys, and uh, you know, we did our part, yes, they didn't, yep. So, we'll continue to do our part here. Be sure you're tuning in to the Socks on Tap post game show. We will be back on Tuesday to talk about the White Sox and the Royals. I will be in attendance at that game, so I don't know if I will be on these airwaves. I will be in attendance for that game too. Oh, oh. Maybe we should meet up in lobby and do some, uh, do some, you know, a couple more of those pops, crack them right. in in lobby on Tuesday, Steve. Answer me, are, are are you threatening me with a good time right now? Is I, that what you're doing? Is I that what might you're doing? be threatening you with a good time right here, uh, live on air. It's be fun if you're in the ballpark. Uh, tweet at the Sox on Tampa Cout, and we'll uh, maybe stop by and say hello, Steve. Let's hope we're both in attendance for the next White Sox winner here. I'm undefeated at the ballpark this year. I don't know what your record is. I'm two and two. Two and two. I'm undefeated. So I've got a streak on the line. Let's hope that uh, that that continues. Steve, always great to talk White Sox baseball with you. For all the listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure you're checking out on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature podcasting needs. Follow us at Sox on Tap on Twitter. At NWI underscore Steve is where you can find Steve. At Tony on Tap is where you can find me. And the rest of the crew are scrolling along the bottom of your screen. Be sure to drop them some follows for White Sox takes throughout the season. Steve, close it down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>